That's me on the podcast Sharing a song With something to say about it With Thin Lear And Diagra Moon Losing my opinion All right, and we're live The two Corona Boys Corona Boys, yeah This is going to be like the Michael Jordan flu game today right you'd think we gave it to each other somehow even though we live several states away but no we just independently got it as independent artists we independently got (laughs) got the uh coronavirus (laughs) a new strain you haven't heard of it it's not popular uh yeah fortunately i just feel like i have a very mild cold and would otherwise not know that i had something else uh, if it weren't for rapid tests but uh i know that i am sick i there is no... Okay. <laughs> I can hear it. There's no confusion on my end. I am not fully recovered. Oh, boy. But you know what? I'm a podcaster. Podcasters push through, right? Pushcaster. That's what anybody... Pushcaster. Well, I got a little complaining to do before we really get into the meat of it here. About me? No, no. Just about the world. Good. Uh, Great. I recently saw Oppenheimer. You know how when you go to see a movie... You know, you buy your ticket, you sit down, and then you got to wait through 25 minutes of bullshit. I remember that experience from years ago. Yeah. Uh, All right. So I guess uh, daddy hasn't been to a movie theater in a while, but you got all the trailers and the ads. And I saw a trailer and I haven't been this mad and just like disgusted with a trailer in a long time. I don't know if this is on your radar. They're going to finally make a fucking Bob Marley biopic. Okay, right. Yeah, I did see this. What is it about that trailer that makes you not excited for Ah, uh, it's so paint by numbers like shit that right. Dewey Cox Walk Hard was making fun of just like no imagination. Yeah. Whitewash feel good. Like that's a complicated tough story. Yeah. Bob Marley and the Whalers and it just looked like total Hollywood BS that we see yeah, a like million times. Yeah, like he's just times. casually writing brilliant songs. When he's in the car and he's like writing the song with his kids, I don't know if that's the way that happened, but like, come on. Like what those movies always get wrong is songwriting. Like it's just not how it happens. Like it doesn't happen in this light bulb moment. I'm okay with that. Like the the <clears throat> glossing over the creative process because average movie goers are not really like that's not what's going to click for him or they want to see like the idealized, like stylized version of that, whatever. But just... Everything out like all the nice feel good beats falling into place, you know, of of the character arc and just it's so no. Are we going to do that for everybody? It's just so banal, useless. Yeah, it it boils everybody's story down to like um, eat, pray, love or something. Like yeah, it just, it just makes everything so cookie cutter. And God, we're gonna have a Kurt know. Cobain one. You know that we're gonna have a Kurt Cobain one coming up. Right. They always hit the same, like, 10 beats. Every movie's the same. Aren't we supposed to have a Michael Jackson one? That's going to be fucking awkward. Mm. Prince, that's good. It's just, we don't need it. Stop. Stop it. <laughs> that's my PSA for yeah, today. Yeah, stop making these. Yeah, I'll just, I'll, I'd take another Bob Marley documentary. Oh, sure. I documentaries. Mean, I'll, I'll watch as many Bob Marley documentaries as you put out. I will watch. Documentaries, they can get into the, the rough stuff, the reality. Like, uh, right. enough of these big budget Hollywood schlockbusters here. Yeah, I I've got I felt that same way. I don't know. I mean, you know, the positive thing about it is the more people will listen. I mean, even though it's, it's like Bob Marley is pretty 
well saturated. They'll listen the to three little birds but, and fucking one love and just the, the service level bullshit. They won't get to the Lee Scratch Perry upsetter years. They won't get to the, the yeah. real shit. Oh, the Duppy Conqueror. Yeah. Duppy Conqueror from the Lee Scratch Perry sessions. That is really good. Guarantee you that's not going to be in the movie. No. Um, yeah, small axe. Well, speaking of small axe, I guess I really had a small axe to grind today with that. But let's let's. Uh, I don't want to delay us too much further here. Uh, this is, as you can't tell, opinionated music podcast. Losing my opinion, uh, where we surprise each other. Mm. That's where you got to have your sip of water uh, with with unusual takes, obscure selections, or sometimes blatantly obvious uh we, we get into all that we got songs to share with each other the other person has no idea what to expect and uh i am in fact two-time covid award-winning uh indie artist niagara moon aka thomas Irwin. i'm i think i'm three-time covid Oof. award-winning uh indie artist thin lear aka matt longo doesn't really feel like an award though i'll say i don't think i'm winning anything right now nope um, you're gonna have a, a hell of a time editing out all the sniffs in this episode. My God, yeah, slow down with the blow over there, <laughs> right? <laughs> so my mind is pretty warped, and my head is full of all manner of blockages. And we're going in a weird direction today. Do you like beautiful vocals, like really nice melodies? Who doesn't? I don't care. We're not going in that direction today. Oh, no. Okay, we're not going there. We're not even thinking about melody today. Today is about the power of the spoken word. But not rap? No. Spoken word. that's rough then. Music. (laughs) Now you left everybody behind. I'm not not talking about rap. I'm talking about spoken word music, which gets a bad rap. Uh, There's a feeling that it's antiquated or something, or that it's just all like slam poetry with like you know, music underneath it. Or that it can only exist in a world before rap, like Gil Scott Heron. Yes. I mean, Gil Scott Heron, like for my money- rap before rap. Yeah. He's on the Mount Rushmore of spoken word artistry. I mean, I think he probably gets looked to as like one of the godfathers of that. I mean, one, his poetry is devastating. Two, the music is incredible. And that's the thing about him is like, the music is excellent. Yeah, the bottle. You know? I mean, yeah, his his lyrics are great. Even even his most famous track, Revolution Will Not Be Televised, like that song, I could listen to it without his poetry over the top and still really enjoy it. So is that what we're getting into today, Gil Scott Heron? No, we're not talking about Gil Scott Heron. Um, (laughs) Oh, no. What we're going to do today, we're going to look at artists who typically do not do spoken word music and hear what I think are shining examples of typically melody-centric artists stepping out of their comfort zone and knocking it out of the park. In the spoken world. Spoken word world. Spoken word world. Spoken word world. <laughs> spoken word word world. And you tell me if you agree with me here. So that so this is what this means. We're not listening to Patti Smith, right? We're not oh, listening to Gil Scott Heron. Okay. Just because they did it a whole lot. Like we're gravitating more towards artists who maybe just dip their toe in Lou the water. Reed. Not a little, not quite. Okay, so it's not artists who are known for the art of the spoken word. It's it's artists who otherwise sing or, you know, properly deliver songs in a straight-ahead manner, who... Properly, yeah. ...are fucking with just talking over their music. That's what we're... ...spoken word artists okay. in any fashion. And Oh, I think I know it. All right, I can think of a certain example. 
that. What's your example? If dogs run free, why can't we? Bob Dylan? Yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm saying good, good examples of this that are enjoyable to listen to, not perplexing. <laughs> so these are all these are all, I think, songs that Oh, so they um, successfully pulled off. This is not yes, a... Yes, yes, oh, yes. Okay, yeah. all right. Not, so this is not going in a stanky direction today. This is not an, a me shitting on uh, these songs. These okay. are songs that I really think are shining examples of artists just dipping their toe in the water and happening okay. to knock it out of the park. But you'll see. You tell me if I'm wrong. All right. All right, good. So I'm, I'm switching gears here. I thought we were teeing up some some crap, but this is these are all going to be presumably enjoyable today. These are going to have some... You might not like them, but to, in my brain, okay. yes, these songs are all great. Um, not in spite of th- their spoken word artistry. Okay. All right, but all right. Maybe because. Yeah. Well, your first example that you sent me here, we're looking at James Brown. I feel like this is cheating a little bit because how often is that guy just screaming or shouting rhythmically? I mean, he's... One of the best, not best spoken of all time, word. but <laughs> that's not spoken word. Um, yeah, I mean, he sometimes veers into something approaching spoken word in some of his songs because of how percussive he can be in his vocals, right? But it's always in the context of singing when he does that. This is a different beast. Okay, song. all right. This is a narrative. Yeah, normally I, when I think of James Brown, I don't think of like uh, paragraph after paragraph of <laughs> carefully construed verbiage, I suppose. I, I don't think of stories. I'm not thinking of story songs yeah. when I think of James Brown. Um, all right, so you sent me a James Brown song called King Heroin. Yes. Um, I guess this is from, I recognize the album cover. I feel like I had this once upon a time, In the Jungle Groove. I don't know if that's a compilation album or what, but that, that cover with him in the prison cell, that's pretty iconic. Yes. Yeah, the whole album is pretty good. But this one, I'm not, this isn't ringing a bell. I mean, I'm sure it's, it's James, James Brown has never done wrong. I mean, unless he's just like really old recording in the 90s or whatever. But otherwise, it's like, he's like the safest bet in the history of popular music. Like he always kicks ass. He's got, I mean, from that period, I mean, if you're looking at like 60s, 70s, oh. it's like all oh. listenable. Even if if not amazing, it's all like just enjoyable yeah. stuff. This is from an, a record called There It Is. Oh, okay. Um, gotcha. Yeah. All right. So, yeah, I don't know that one. Yeah, he's got a million different releases. Uh, I'm excited. We'll check this out and hear James Brown, the poet. Ladies and gentlemen, fellow Americans, lady Americans, <laughs> this is James Brown. I want to talk to you about one of our most deadly killers in the country today. I had a dream the other night and I was sitting in my living room. I was off to sleep so I started dreaming. I dream I walked in a place and the band sounds so good. I saw a real strange weird so object standing up talking to the people and I found out it was heroin. That deadly drug that go in your vein. He said, I came to this country without a passport. Ever since then I've been hunted and sought. My little white grains are nothing but waste, soft and deadly and bitter to taste. But I'm a world of power, and all know it's true. Use me once, and you'll know it too. I can make a mere schoolboy forget his books. I can make a world-famous beauty neglect her looks. I can make a good man forsake his wife, send a greedy man to prison for the rest of his life. Yeah, this is... I can make a man forsake his country and flag. It's pretty flawless here. 
Make a girl sell her body for a five dollar bag. I mean, some think my adventures are joy and a thriller, but I'll put a gun in your hand and make you a killer. In cellophane bags, I found my way to heads of state, to children at play. I financed in China, ran in Japan. I'm respected in Turkey, and I'm legal in Siam. I don't know about the uh, authenticity of that last statement, but uh, uh, yeah, that's that's uh, it's classic James Brown. What are you gonna do? It's the topic is powerful. The groove is great. The arrangement follows the poetry. His like, cadence is hypnotizing. Oh, it's hypnotizing, and and I, he was one of the songwriters in the in the tune, and so it's like you know I don't think we typically think of James Brown as a lyricist, but um, popcorn, sure, hot pants. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's he's I mean he's sort of mostly you know, percussively a, a member of his own band. You know, I think his, as a vocalist, like he's just, it's, he's another instrument, but yeah, this is great. And this is a whole different beast, like we were saying. All so right. I, th- I think this is an example of someone stepping into the spoken world world and just crushing it. Uh, yeah, much, much better than Bob Dylan on that front. <laughs> yes. I want to look at one. Now I said, I said we weren't talking about Lou Reed. So I, I, I a little bit lied. That's there. okay. This is not Lou Reed, though. Oh. Though he's on the song. This is. Are you showing more Lulu? Are we no. going back to? No, Metallica? I said good. Good. Okay. All right. Good all right. All right. Songs. It's not one of those. This is the Velvet Underground. They took a few forays into spoken word. It was never fully their thing. Yeah, I know which tune you're gonna bring up here. Do you? What is it? What the fuck is it called? It's it's John Cale talking about Waldo Jeffers. Was it the yes. box, the gift, something the like gift. that? Yeah, the gift. I haven't heard yeah, this, this one is, in forever. This is one of my favorites. I mean, just because of how insane it is. It's like a jealous moron in a long distance relationship mails himself to his girlfriend and ends up getting stabbed in the head while she's opening the box. It's like a Tales from the Crypt it's episode. Edgy. It's so funny to me. I can't say why the song is so funny. I think because the way John Cale delivers it, like it's so disdainful. And yeah, of it's the subject. <laughs> yeah, like he's he, like he's so like he's he's so pathetic. He says he takes such great relish in detailing this guy's demise. But uh, Lou Reed definitely would go into spoken word more, more heavily in his solo career. Gary um, and gun degrees of success, the Raven and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But we're not going to get into that. Last great American whale. We're not getting into any of that. We're not. No. And that that has its own whatever. That's maybe its own episode. But uh yeah, yeah this is from sixty-eight. Well, that's that's <laughs> notable for something uh that sounds as bonkers. Uh the album White Light, White Heat, their second album, the last one with uh, John Cale on it. Uh if I'm remembering right, there's some punishing uh viola on this this track, right? Uh heavy heavy bass yeah. just like that thump this whole record i love has a great thump to it it's recorded like ass <laughs> it sounds it's so wrong yeah uh all right let's let's check this out here the gift we're gonna listen to all eight and a half minutes i presume yep okay yeah we're gonna get all, all right, the way there, all the way through waldo jeffers had reached his limit it was now mid-august which meant he had been separated from marcia for more than two months two months all he had to show was Let's skip the whole left side of the song to his voice only. We don't need it. We don't need that there. Fidelity. 
but lately Guado had begun to worry. Are you sure this is that good? Trouble sleeping at night. And when he did, I love this. I mean, listen to, the, listen to that groove. I'm trying. It's all the way over here on the other side of my head. <laughs> Tears welling in his eyes as he pictured Marsha, her sworn vows overcoming by Luca and the smooth soothings of some Neanderthal, finally submitting to the final It's so just college dormy. I don't know. It was more than a human mind could bear. Visions of Marsha's faithlessness haunted him. Daytime fantasies of sexual abandon. Yeah, no, I love this. I... I think uh, I could listen to a whole record that was like this. I think uh, you're nuts. maybe not all eight-minute songs, but every nook and cranny of the psyche. It made her smile. She needed him. He wasn't there. The idea came on the Thursday. Was courageous. He just finished mowing and edging the other six And I checked the mailbox to see if there was a piece to work in the there was nothing but a circular from the Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> All right. I remember uh, Nate used to say, we used to hear that song, he used to be like, impersonate him, but like, obviously to the nth degree, yeah. he'd be like, and it pierced Walter Jeff's <laughs> stupid fat head. Because <laughs> um, that's the vibe that you get from John Cale is like, they really hate this character. I, I think that song is so funny. Now, I think it would have been better off with David Attenborough's voice. That would work too. <laughs> that would really work. Okay. I got three more for you. Oh, man. I hope you're, I hope you're enjoying this. Sure. <laughs> All right. So we're going to talk about a band now that everybody likes to shit on these days. And I get it. Like, they're massive. I don't think we've ever talked about this band. They're massive. They're always doing massive things. Um, the Vegas uh, giant ball performances, whatever that stupid oh, thing is called. Oh, uh, the Sphere? Yeah, the Sphere. Oh, we're talking about you 2 Yes. The iPhone album download, that was, I get that. Bono's everywhere. I understand. But Zuropa is an interesting album. Oh, God. We're going to talk about Zuropa. <laughs> I really feel like you need to reinvestigate Zuropa because it gets a bad rap because it comes after Octung Baby. It's like, a, you know. Well, the problem is, I'm not, it's not like I'm an Octung Baby fan. I just like. No, I, you don't really like them at all. Yeah. Which makes me think that maybe you would like Zuropa. All right. Man, these are all blasts from the past. It's like I haven't heard this one since I checked out U2 in middle school. Like, <laughs> I'm struggling to remember. Do you know this? Do you know this song? Uh, I don't remember the song exactly. No. Okay, so the song is called "Numb." It, it's Edge who is talking the Edge. This song He's not singing it. It's spoken word, the Edge, and uh, yeah, it's got a great vibe. All right, I think it's very different from the rest of their catalog, and it's uh, yeah, I think it's an enjoyable. Tune. I remember the title track. I'm like, this is nothing. Zuropa. Yeah, okay. I'm not going to fight for that song, but I, I do like this one. All right. I am intrigued. I'll give you that. That's all I ask. I don't remember The Edge doing beat poetry over a, a YouTube track. That's all I ask from you. It's an open mind. Just fine. Just fine. Don't grab, don't put 
It's not bad, but it's just like, why am I here? For me, a little bit. It's not offensive or misguided. It's just like. It's an interesting groove. I think it's memorable. I mean, I have. This is the first time I heard this song. I have had it in my brain in some capacity. Like, I've not forgotten about it. Next one of us. Jeez, oh, then you guess that's Bono. Would that be on that day, right? Yeah. You lost me. I, here's the problem it's too easy for people like you. <laughs> To shit on YouTube, it is because it they're is so the, like, huge. It's, it's like a Coldplay thing. It's just like they're huge. Like uh, right. it's just it's. I don't. It's you don't want to point it offensive. out. That's why it hasn't come up on the show before. I guess it's also not like insulting Steely Dan or whatever. Where like you actually have to have some courage to do so because their fans are so violent and angry. Like with you too, it's like you know the fans are so spread apart. Yeah, and they're not like a real contingent that you can just say whatever same with coldplay or any band like that but it's just so ubiquitous that you don't there's yeah. no consequence for not liking them and they've probably heard it all before right. you know assholes like me with their snark so here's another song that i think is probably my favorite song of the tunes that we're looking at today okay uh maybe the most overt effective use of poetry as an actual emotional device in the song all right this is like a nick cave kind of thing didn't bring in Nick Cave, uh, do not understand him enough just yet to be able to talk about him, talk about enraged fan bases. <laughs> I don't think I I'll ever get Nick Cave. Need more time with Nick to understand what I'm talking about. Um, but it has a Nick Cave cadence. The songwriter Stuart Staples, his delivery is perfect. It's this like wide-eyed approach. Um, this is a beautiful song. It's a story song and and yeah. The band is called Ten, Ten, Tinder Sticks? Tinder sticks. Tinder sticks. Yeah. A uh, band that's not known for their spoken word. They're more uh, contemporary, I take it. I never heard of them. Yes. This song came out in 2016. All right. They're a, a British band. Vibe. And his eyes wide, a river in his pocket, without socks and a skip and a step, in an ill-fitting suit. Is this John Cale doing the voiceover again? That's John Cale, yeah. He came back. Dream. He didn't really, though. No. And the fear in his eyes of how dear it was hell. This is how he entered. How he came. Falling from the back of a transit van. 
Yeah, I like this. Crumple. Desperate for relief. I mean, it's just, you know, it's like a song I can't imagine. Step a story. Done differently. You know, some spoken word songs, you're like, if, especially even if you like the backing the track, you're like, oh, I kind of want a melody. I feel like you can separate them. This one, I feel like it works. Yeah, this feels yeah. like part of the arrangement. They were just material to him. And how they would come to pursue him. How they would eventually come to drag him back there. So this song is called How He Entered. Yes. That makes sense. This is How He Entered. Yeah. All right. You're redeeming yourself. That's a good pick. Let's listen to one more. So there, there were there are two others that we're not listening to. Um, one is "Losing My Edge" because everyone uh, knows that song, and there's no reason to play it. Does everyone know that song? Yeah. We're not. I mean, come on. I guess it's, it's everyone like, in their 30s from New York City. Uh, the the LCD sound system track, classic. Yeah. Yes. I mean, there's really nothing like that song. It, it's "Losing My Edge." I'm losing my edge. Yeah, I think there's nothing like it. It kind of presents the the, the band's whole like thesis, like lyrically, aesthetically, right. in that one. Tune. You hear that one song, you're like, oh, I know what every future LCD sound system song is kind of gonna sound like. Yeah, right. If I was introducing someone to the band, I might pick that song. That's which that's is a crazy. great example. That that might be my my favorite at all. These, even though I I know you're not technically introducing it into the mix, but the other one I was thinking of playing was Gorillaz, uh, a song called Fire Coming Out of the Monkey's Head. <laughs> Dennis Hopper, right? <laughs> Dennis Hopper. That's a great one, too. Yeah. The one I'm... Excellent I picks. didn't bring it in because I don't love it. Like, yeah. I love Dennis Hopper's voice on it. I like it as, like, a moment in the album, like, if I'm going to just put on Demon Days. But, yeah, I'm not going to, like, listen sure. to that, just that song specifically. It's kind of right. like a interstitial type of deal. Yes. Like, the idea of the song I like more than... But yes, okay, so let's listen to this artist. This is another new artist, quote-unquote new. I uh, heard this song in 2011. This artist performs under the name EMA. Her name is Erica M. Anderson. Mm. Um, this is a tune that has stuck with me since the early 2010s. It has all the musical characteristics of that era, that experimental pop vibe that so many artists were doing so well in that time period. But it is it's spoken word. There's a tiny bit of singing, but I think this still can be designated as a spoken word track. And uh, yeah, it's just fuzzy and, and cool. All right. I have never heard of this, but it looks cool. The song's called California. Smith here. Yes. It's good. 
interesting vibe going on with that one. That's that is memorable. It is very much like a Patty Smith sort of update. Um, I feel like you don't like any of these songs. The, uh, <laughs> I liked which King is funny Harlan. for a guy who doesn't. You don't really talk about melody much, but I feel like you miss it when it's not there. I mean, yeah. I mean, you're all about instrumentation. But this is all instrumentation with all these. You songs. also you often kind of forget about chord progressions. You know, when there's not a lead. By the way, I love plenty of instrumental music. It's probably the majority of what I listen to at this point. But when you don't have like a melody driving things, you just have like a barrage of ideas expressed verbally. You get you get a little more meandery with the the song and the structure. And yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe I'm having a reaction to that today. Maybe I'm also just coveted out, and I'm all my ears are plugged up. I'm not getting these uh, these songs through my brain the way I should. Mm. Well, maybe the listener enjoyed. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, now there there's some good stuff here. That this is an interesting selection. I'm also uh, what was another one? I, I was wondering if you were going to bring up. Uh, there are a couple. The, the more I think of it, it's like, oh yeah, the pe- people tried that. Like it is kind of. I feel like some artists, it's like a thing to like check off, like one of the boxes. Yeah, I've done one of these. Yeah, I can't say I gravitate towards. Artists who are, I mean, with the exception of Gil Scott Heron, like anyone who is primarily known as a spoken word artist, artist, I can't say I gravitate towards them. And I don't, it's not a type of music I really listen to. So really it's just like, does it grab my attention from someone that I do typically listen to? And mostly it does in bad ways. So like when it doesn't, it sticks out. I remember who I was going to mention, uh, where you stand on William Shatner. Uh, that's just comical. The, the album with Ben Folds. I used to listen to that. Common people. I don't really know much Brenner Falls. I think I know the song Brick. Is that a song or an album? <laughs> okay. All right. Maybe next time we'll we'll get into some William Shatner talk. Uh, he's he's all about spoken word. He certainly is. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's uh I guess I'm not drawn to it as often as you. It's maybe I something that, like when the the cadence, the sound that the human voice takes on when it's just like talking through music. Maybe just the sound of that doesn't really lock in for me. I don't know. Mm. It's uh, some question marks there. Well, When's your spoken word track coming out? So I'm working on a whole record of spoken word songs oh, now, so shit. I feel very deflated. Concept album about New Jersey? Yeah, I'm recording the vocals this weekend, so it's just mostly going to be sniffing. Yeah, yeah. All right, Sneezy, <laughs> what have you been listening to? Takes one to no one. What have I been listening to? That's right, you gotta say the whole thing or else it doesn't count. Listen, my opinion. Well, thank you for asking, Matthew. Uh, I have. <laughs> Don't mention it. <laughs> um, so, my topic for today, this segment of mine, uh, I probably could have saved this for Halloween. I wanna get it out there now. I, I couldn't wait. This is, uh, I'm excited to, to dig into this topic. If you're anything like me, no. and I know you are. Okay, maybe a little. I know you like a good psycho killer movie, a good serial killer movie. Huh? Totally. Yeah. I've realized what must be a fun but deceptively hard job is picking songs for serial killer movies. You don't mean like score. You're not talking about like a Bernard Herrmann score. You're talking about picking tracks. No, songs. Like when you hear a song that existed right. before that is now in your movie where 
there's a cuckoo on the loose or, you know, sure. two teenagers are getting killed or something. If there's music in that equation, that's not just like, bang, bang, bang. like if you're, ta- if you're bringing in a pre-existing song to elevate w- whatever's going on, you know, cinematically, that, that's a very interesting, but I think challenging job to take on. Mm. It's, uh, I think we should just probably plow into my first example, the first song I want to share today. Uh, this is like my gold standard of what I'm talking about. And the song is uh, Hurdy Gurdy Man by Donovan. Oh, God. That's, I mean, that is one of the best pieces of music supervision ever. Yeah. Because that, I mean, that, that, I mean, Zodiac, I love that movie in general. Of course I feel like you it's do. a sort of slept on because it's three and a half hours i understand it's why it's so good it's worth all those away. all those half hours yeah it's oh god i'm like oppenheimer <laughs> still haven't seen that but yeah i mean um that, yeah hurdy gurdy man it comes back at the end of the movie too it's just yeah they make that song terrifying it always had that edge i think maybe it had a sinister yeah, like, like, quality to it that was always set that's there. the song you like in a serial killer movie it's, it's music supervisors who are able to like find a kernel of that something sinister in a song that is not typically sinister and then magnify it with the placement, with the song placement. That's what that did for that song. Yep. And I'll never hear it the same again. Exactly. So that that's kind of what we're, that's the theme du jour today. That's what we're getting into. And yeah, I struggle to think of a better example of this than Hurdy Gurdy Man, the classic 1968 Donovan song. Recontextualize, if you will, uh, for the... 2007 movie Zodiac, Jake Gyllenhaal, Robert Downey Jr. It's a good serial killer that never got caught. Good time there, uh, that movie. Classic by David Fincher. Let's listen to that song. Let's just put ourselves there, man. Um, this, this song plays, I forget it, if it's diegetic, maybe like it's it's playing from someone's car um, during uh, a murder scene early on. Very mysterious, uh, chilling set of circumstances here. And... Uh, Donovan, of all things, is uh, is blasting from the speakers, but it it works. It really it it, it was it was that era. Yeah, right? it was yeah. that era. Sixty eight is a creepy year. Just yeah, the White Album and just everything else that was going on then. Uh, but yeah, without further ado. <laughs> it's creepy right away. Oh yeah. Like a star in my vast if I opened my eyes to take a peek To find that I was by the sea, gazing with tranquility Just then when the hurdy gurdy man came singing songs of love Then when the hurdy gurdy man came singing It's the guitar. It's so good. You know who that is, right? No. Jimmy Page. Oh, shit. Jimmy Page, John Paul Jones on bass. Oh, fuck. And John Bonham on drums. This is just halfway to being Zeppelin here. Yeah, more than halfway. Mysteries of ages past, unenlightened shadows cast. Down through all eternity, the crying of humanity. Yeah, it's got that low, that chug. It's very menacing. Then when the hurdy-gurdy man comes singing songs of love. Then when the hurdy-gurdy man comes singing songs of love. 
I could just listen to that whole thing. But yeah, it's a great song to begin with, but then you feel like you're discovering a quality about it through, you know, seeing in the movie Zodiac or listening to this conversation even. But uh, it's that's that's what a good pick does. It's not too on the nose. Like you can't just go, I don't think it'd be interesting to just do Nine Inch Nails, Marilyn Manson, Death Metal. Like that feels too aware right. of itself. That's what they did in the late 90s on a lot of songs. Like there's a, yeah, there's a lot of soundtracks then where it's just, it's so on the nose that you, it's just not enjoyable. It, it takes you out of it because it's too aware. Like it's music that's made like with that kind of imagery and that sort of energy going on already to speak abstractly. Right. And so by the time it's being juxtaposed with anything else, it's like, well, it's like a hat on a hat or something right. like it. Right. It clashes. It's like two different kinds of media trying to trying to fit together. So you can't yeah. really do that. I think a lot of problems also would happen where if if you're picking, like if you're trying to go too much the other direction, but it's too happy or too poppy or too ironic, and it could take you out of it that way. You know, like if you just pick some like feel good 1950s doo wop track. Well, I think I there's, think... there's got to be something that is somewhat troubling about the initial thing if you're going to do that you know like the use of um you see it all over tiktok now but like tiny tim's tiptoe through the tulips like that kind of thing where it's sort of been co-opted as a right that well from in the movie insidious i remember insidious, well right. yeah that one worked because it's a weird his voice is very weird and that's a, a bit weird, creepy to begin with yeah. yeah but that's what i mean like i wouldn't but i wouldn't necessarily listen to that and be like oh that song scares me but like i think afterwards you're like yeah. oh it just magnifies yes. what was always present it's it's a compliment yeah right it's like some some other maybe famous examples here relatively like you know the movie american psycho all the talk about huey lewis in the news hip to be square <laughs> i i feel yeah. like that doesn't count because american psycho nah. i mean it's it's if you actually sit down and watch it yes like very disturbing things happen but like it's a black comedy first and foremost like it's a satire right it's and Patrick Bateman doesn't feel like a person who could actually exist. He's more like a. It's a. It's like a cartoon. Yeah. But but the um. Yeah, I mean that song. It doesn't work as well. It works in in as a narrative device. Yeah. And it reminds me of the movie, but that there's nothing sinister about that song. It's not the same kind of usage that you're talking about here. Yeah. Well, we're gonna move on to my second example. This might be the OG. I feel like this could be. Maybe the most uh, famous thing to point to because it is from uh, the 1991 film Silence of the Lambs. Imagine that's uh, in your Hall of Fame. Oh, it it uh, it's not in my top ten. I do love that movie, but I, yeah, I don't love it as as much as some do. It's great though. Oh, Clarice, <laughs> uh, the song "Goodbye Horses." Yeah, uh, that's uh, Buffalo Bills go to that track. This is uh, we're going in a different direction a little bit with this pick because the song on its own doesn't really have any qualities I'd say are sinister, but like it fits right in this zone that like totally works for the movie and establishes Buffalo Bill's character more. And so I don't know. I feel like we should probably dive into that one too because that might be the most uh, notable example of uh, what I'm talking about here. Mm. Goodbye horses from Q Lazarus relatively obscure 
artist from the 80s. Uh, she apparently met the director of Silence of the Lambs, Jonathan Demme, uh, when he was like riding in her taxi cab that she was driving. And like he just happened to hear her demos when they got into conversation. Then from that point on, he just like put a ton of her music in, in, in several of his films and kind of an interesting. She, she was deemed unmarketable by record companies back in the 80s because of her dreadlocks. Of all things. Whoa. That's weird. Sadly, she passed a couple of years ago, but like, as of 2015, according to Wikipedia, she had been working as a bus driver in Staten Island. Wow. Like a little bit of a bummer, but uh, this this song lives on. This is a, an iconic one here from 1988. That's crazy. Hopefully she was getting residuals from this film. I mean, it gets played quite a lot. Again, her, her songs are in a bunch of his movies, so I would hope so. So this song is playing in like one of the most disturbing parts of the movie. that inherent thing in this song where it is a bit disturbing there's some discordance there it sounds a little lonely yeah it's like a sad dance by yourself song which i guess yeah buffalo bill was dancing he was yeah say this was a, a good pick as well oh totally yeah <clears throat> because that has that you know i wouldn't hear that song without the film and be like oh that gives me the creeps but there's something in there that is inherently a little disturbing i think it's in the bass and mm. the delivery of the vocals too there's something a little desperate about it and i think uh jonathan demi picked up on that certainly and the rest is history yeah i'd agree Cool, cool. Well, moving right along, this next one. This I saw this movie uh, more recently, so this definitely left an impact on me. Uh, it's an Australian film called The Stranger from a couple years ago. I've never heard of this. Um, I don't want to give too many spoilers away because I, I do recommend it um, if you're someone who likes this kind of genre in general. This kind of genre in general. <laughs> Spoken word world. Uh, Joel Edgerton... Edgerton? I believe it's Edgerton. Edgerton. Joel Edgerton. Edgerton. And Sean Harris, uh, two acting powerhouses here. Basically, the, the setup is Joel Edgerton is an undercover cop, and Sean Harris is like this weird loner kind of layabout who is a person of interest in like a very high-profile, unresolved like child abduction from like 15 years prior. There, He's getting more and more suspicious in the way they're trying to maybe get a confession out of this guy or get more information from him is to 
Jill Edger- Edgerton is kind of tricking him into making him think like he's part of a criminal enterprise and they're going to bring him on, like give him work. He's, he's So he's a cop, but he's pretending to be like an organized crime dude. So they have to kind of form a fucked up sort of friendship. And you really don't know this guy's deal. I mean, hence it's, it's called The Stranger. But in one scene, The Stranger takes the undercover cop into his house just to sort of, you know, hang out after doing some work that day. The cop doesn't stay very long. He kind of wants to get out of there. But before, right before he leaves, the stranger insists on playing a song for him on his uh, his stereo setup. So this is the song he plays. Uh, it's a song I'd never heard of. I think the, the band's pretty obscure. But it's it's called Trojan Blue by the band Ice House. Uh. There's some Australian group from like the 80s. Yeah, like a pretty obscure pick there. It's a great song, a very chilling scene, and I'm like, oh, this is this is right up there with the best of them for like us. Any song you could have picked to have this moment play out, like Bravo. Um, mm. So, and it's a great song too. I've I've been jamming out to it, uh, which is a little weird <laughs> given all this context. But uh, I want I want to check that tune out with you, Trojan Blue. Great movie, too. Definitely recommend it on Netflix. So we've come to the uh, the ultimate question here. Can we think of our own examples of songs that would be great for creepy, maybe psycho serial killer movies? Oh, jeez. 
Can we, can we, I can do it. I thought of one that I'm, I'm pretty proud of, but uh, I'll give a pause here to see if you think of anything. Well, you do yours first while I think. All right. So like I said, it's a real, there's a lot of ways to get it wrong. It's a real kind of, it's tough to thread the needle. You can't go over the top. Yeah, it can't, it can't be, yeah. Then you just turn it to the, yeah, Nine Inch Nails thing. Right. You, you can't go too purposely gruesome. You can't go just too light and fluffy. Because then it feels arbitrary. It's like you could pick any bubblegum pop song in the world. I considered for a second stuff like, you know, the band Tennis, but I'm like, oh, that's just too straight ahead, feel good. And then another kind of distinction I made is like, you got a tune like Sunshine of Your Love, Cream. Yeah. That's like, that's for, you know, De Niro at the bar and Goodfellas being like, oh, I got to fucking kill these mooks. That's like killing for survival or for, you know, some sort of profit. That's more kind of just criminal shit. Mm. You want something a little weirder. You want like, you know, a window into a twisted mind, if, if you will. So I thought of the artist Matthew Deere. You ever heard of Matthew Deere? Yeah, I know it's just like electronica. Yeah. Right? He's uh, he kind of came up in the mid-2000s, like started out doing pretty much technico, technico, techno, Started in the in the techno world and got more and more like songwriter and like Brian Eno, Talking Heads inspired, but still is like an electronic producer. But very very cool stuff. He's got a an unusual voice uh, that he uses really effectively. Very odd, abstract, interesting lyrics. He's got this one tune. I'm like, ah, this is it. This hits all the beats. This this carries the right tone for for this exercise. Um, he's got a song called Her Fantasy. Mm. Uh, it's from 2012, the album Beams. Love that album. I'm, I'm a pretty big fan of him in general. Uh, he's, he's one of my favorite, more contemporary guys. So this for me, I, I think this works. I, I think you could sell this uh, if, if you were uh, in the sync uh, music supervision business, but you can tell me if, if I'm wrong here. As a lot of these songs are, it's a little bit longer. I'm going to start it like halfway through so we get to a good like breakdown part okay For our purposes so far, yeah, it has a, it has a ominous undercurrent.
thought this one was just the right amount of kind of campy, but creepy and driven and alien. I don't know. I mean, the video is definitely... <laughs> video is goofy. Helping your case there. Did I get it right? I think you did. Yeah, I think you did. There were two artists I was thinking of when you brought this up, and one of them is um, Deer Hunter. Oh, yeah. I always felt like maybe uh, Bradford Cox has it in him to have that uh, that sort of creepy undercurrent to the stuff he's doing. And also, this might be more surprising, but Cass uh, uh, McCombs uh, is a songwriter. I guess I don't who, know him well enough. I know he's more He's modern. got some, some, you know, some songs that are... I mean, he's not like he doesn't write disturbing songs, but like there's a there's something uh, very moody about his work that I think could lend itself well to this. Definitely not in the not in the '80s theme that you have selected for. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thought experiment. It's also making me think of other movies I've seen where there has been a song where it was sort of it opened my eyes I, probably the most recent example was the the tiptoe through the tulips one that i think everyone sort of realized yeah yeah this is terrifying yeah that one's good for like an alternate nightmare fantasy world that was uh, right on target there i'd say the tiny tim pick you don't see it a ton but it's if you have sort of uh, dark foreboding tastes like the two of us. It really, it's it's fun when it happens. It doesn't get better than Hurdy Gurdy Man, though. Yeah, I mean, I mean David Fincher is the king of what we're talking about here. Fucking R.I.P. Mind Hunter. <laughs> ah, <laughs> what a cliffhanger yeah. after season two. Yeah, I wanted more of that show. But yeah, Hurdy Gurdy Man, that was like because I I loved that song before I saw the movie, yeah. and then after I saw it, I just loved it even You're more. Like, oh, yeah. this is like the ultimate purpose of this song was to uh, <laughs> to exist for this movie. Well, that's uh, that's all I had. I, I guess I can put this morbid, uh, disturbing thought exercise behind me now. But uh, what what did you learn today? What did we learn today? I learned that I need to keep my spoken word selections to myself in the future. If I come across, I'm not opposed. I I'm looking. For, I'm waiting for the for the really solid one, the the right one. I didn't mean to scare you off. Maybe they just don't exist for you. Who fucking knows? What did you learn? I learned that uh, I uh, need to buy more tissues. Wow. <laughs> I'm sneezing my brains out today. I got a fucking steam there at the end. <laughs> <laughs> That's good stuff. Uh, it was like a 10 minute pause. <laughs> I'm like, oh shit, I didn't take any notes. What did I learn? Uh, I learned that uh, doing these when we both have COVID is a little rough. Rough around yeah, the Yeah, the brain fog is real today. <laughs> L- yeah, listeners really get a treat, an auditory treat. <laughs> <laughs> Sniffing oh, and silence. <laughs> All right. Moving on, what, what do we got to plug here? Uh, this, this one comes out uh, February 7th. Uh, there's new music on the horizon for me. It's coming very soon. The announcements will be coming very soon. Stay, stay posted. Yeah, where have I heard that before? Stay frosty. I feel like you just do this so you could talk about how you have songs. <laughs> <laughs> you know the situation I'm in. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. You got shows sometimes. You're playing in the in the circle. I do. Oh, actually, yes. Uh, February 9th, Silverstream Studio, Montclair, New Jersey, and March 9th, Silverstream Studio. It's like my Silverstream residency in Montclair. Uh, if you're in Jersey, come to one of those shows. It's good lineups. Cool beans. 
and I got uh, the music video for Beware the Cowboy, the animated music video by the artist Saul. I got that coming out uh, from a recent single, uh, same same day as uh, your show, uh, February 9th there. We'll celebrate it. I'll play, I'll do a cover of it. Hell yeah. And uh, listener, if, <laughs> if you didn't get uh, too frustrated with our sniffling this, Jeez, uh, this, this episode today, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast so you never miss a future episode. You can leave a rating or a review. Uh, follow Losing My Opinion on Instagram, TikTok, or X. And uh, today I uh, put forth the opinion Matthew Deere's people need to get in touch with David Fincher. Mm. Get get that season three of Mind Hunter together. I could be wrong now. <laughs> I don't think so. Oh, lordy. Uh, we'll say see you next week. So long, suckers, if we're still alive. If dogs run free, why not we? Across the swooping plain. My ears hear a symphony of two mules, trains, and rain. <laughs>